Welcome to episode 5 of the DJ Force X podcast, where this week we speak to Haytham from Sensor. Um, yeah, this week uh, my computer broke, so this is why this one is slightly late. Uh, I bought myself a new MacBook. Um, my motherboard and my previous laptop decided to die on me one random day, and uh, I was unable to fix it. But now I am kind of up and running with this. Um, yeah, this interview's great. Uh, just to let you know, there are some audio issues with this one. Uh, just the connection issues. We kept getting disconnected. So some of the edits might sound just slightly off. But um, it's a cool interview. It's with Haytham, like I said, from the band Sensor. I'm a big fan of that band. So it was, a, it was an honor to actually get to speak to him. Um, anything else this week? No. Uh, uh, I can't think of anything right now. I'm kind of in a hurry. So we're going to kick off uh, this interview uh, right now. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome to this week's podcast, Haytham. He's the vocalist of the band Sensor. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Um, to start with, if you don't mind, uh, could you give me a brief history of the band? Because I know you've been around for a while, but... Yeah, it's, it's hard to make it brief because it's <laughs> literally been 20 years since uh, we first sort of uh, put, a, put out a record. So we've uh, we met, it, a couple of us met when we were uh in high school and we were kind of a circle of friends and we uh we started we were listening to a lot of psychedelic music and hip-hop and uh kind of thrash metal and we we started playing that music all kind of smushed together uh all fused it together for want of a better word mm-hmm. and um and so we've been doing that for a long time, and we have about five albums out. Yep. We managed to put them out at the rate of one once every four years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, five, I think, five albums. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool, okay. Well, um, well, let's talk the first album, Stacked Up, which is being uh-huh. re-released um, this year, um, in, in fact, in a few weeks' time. Yes, November, exactly. Is it November 22nd? I think so. And it's called stacked, right. up, stacked Up 20. Is that right? Or yes. is it Stacked Up XX? Which no, no, it's Stacked Up 20 because it's 20 years. Cool. So, you know, it's been 20 years since it first came out. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of celebration. And it's also a nice opportunity to put out an object. And it's a good opportunity to slightly remaster the sound. Although the, the original sound was, was really, I mean, it was pretty nice for for the time. We were quite happy with it. Um, but we've managed to make it sound even better. And uh, the artwork, the, the front cover was always okay, but the inside kind of uh, of the album sleeve and the booklet that came with the original CD were kind of bodged together when we were on tour by other people. <laughs> so we didn't really get a chance to choose the photos. It basically had a bunch of Kodak snaps of people, some of whom aren't even in the band. Uh, so it was a real mess, and we just wanted to do that, that nicely. and. And there's a second CD if you buy the CD version, which has never heard before tracks from the second album, which we recorded and then kind of shelved, um, and lots of remixes and stuff off old 
demos and it's a really strange and wonderful little box set if you buy it excellent excellent no i i, I got sent the um obviously the 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 mp3s from your um pr but um yeah no i, I enjoyed the remixes um because i'm There's some good ones yeah no i played a couple on my show i've uh, got a mm. music show that i do on total rock and stuff so it's, Great. Like, it's like a remixed rock show so it kind of fit really well mm-hmm. perfect <laughs> but um i mean i remember stacked up the first time round. i was about i was, uh-huh. I was early teens so uh-huh. um and i've still actually got the cassette that it came uh. Um, it's it's still in the uk in storage but i know i've got it <laughs> you know you have it yeah yeah and it's probably served its time i think it still works as a i hope so yeah i'm pretty they're pretty it's, they're pretty reliable cassettes yeah. you know as long as you keep them in a box and you don't rattle them too much yeah no i've got they the, usually last a long time i've got the original box for it and everything so i remember picking it up <laughs> from my local store so it was, that's kind With of cool. the yell, yellow inner sleeve yes it's just <laughs> so weird the fold out is yellow on the cassette anyway yeah yeah well that's that's fantastic cool um no i'm, I'm like i said I was, I was just going back like i remember like hearing you guys for the first time i heard um age of panic on, on mm-hmm. i'm guessing radio one at the time um, okay i think i'm trying to remember it's, it was a long time ago, obviously 20 years ago but, um mm. i remember hearing it on the radio um and actually like I was kind of dumbfounded by the sound that you guys had of taking like the rock elements, the rap elements, electronic and something close to my heart, which is like the DJing. Cause at that point in my life, I started, that was when I started to sort of scratch and experiment with that sound. And it, it like, I was like, this, this is, this is what I want to do. And it was like pre, (laughs) pre that new metal, um, movement that, that came over. And it was like, it was the first time I was kind of exposed to that sound. Mm. And I was like, oh, you know. Well, it was the first, it was, I think, one of the first ones to actually do it. We were one of the first groups to really do it as a band. I mean, Rage Against the Machine didn't have a DJ. They didn't have, um, you know, they didn't have the, uh, the the mix of the two voices. They didn't have the electronics. So, and people often make a kind of comparison with Rage Against the Machine. And I think there is a comparison with the kind of, some you know some politics in the in the in, and ideas in the in the lyrics, but uh, um, in terms of the sound, they're more like you know a rock band. Yeah. They were much more of a like a kind of. It, to me, it sounds like Edgar Winter, you know yeah. Frankenstein, yeah. which is uh, I didn't I wasn't the first one to make that connection but it, it sounds much more 70s rock their influence and ours like we were listening to like death angel and and slayer and, and creator and stuff and and miles davis and a lot of really weird ravey music and you know um the osric tentacles and mm. hawkwind and so there's a lot of other things in there that kind of really it really is like a, it was a very kind of postmodern uh idea to just say you know we thought that eventually there would be a much more of this kind of genre bending and i suppose there is but it was never um really uh, explored much further no. um you know what i mean yeah i mean once once that sound hit it stayed that sound no no That's one right. no one really pushed that 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 envelope so to speak um i mean people like asian dub foundation kind of did a little bit mm. <clears throat> i liked what they were doing and um you know some of some of the new metal East stuff was sounding you know sounded good and but but very little you know i can't i can't sort of uh, 
I can't pick out much from that whole wave. I like that, you know, people go back to the Judgment Night soundtrack. That yeah. was a nice, a nice moment yeah. where people were trying stuff out. Um, apart from that, I can't really pick out a lot, really. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, I was part of that movement as well. <laughs> um, I, I uh, uh, probably what was it? Uh, late nineties, I joined a band. Um, mm-hmm. a metal band and I was the DJ in that band so wow. that, that's where I kind of get that like how you guys influence me in the long run is okay. I had that moment of being the DJ in that metal band um, wow I mean we, we, we were going for 10 years and we released like uh-huh. three albums and stuff like that so we we had our moment but okay. um, it's um great yeah no it was, it was good fun but it was like just like I mean speaking to you guys it's like <laughs> i'm like ah oh, this is like childhood type thing <laughs> mm-hmm. but well, um, you know there's obviously an element of nostalgia you know with this whole business of re-releasing the record but yeah um you, you know but but we've we have been developing it and playing around and you know and, and trying to evolve what we're doing and doing fresh things ever since <laughs> yeah so uh so you know uh, I was just thinking about it, and I think one of the only people that messes around with electronics in thrashy-sounding music that I can really think of is uh, Patton, Mike Patton, with things like Phantomass. It's yeah. not the same at all, but, but but there is that kind of mix of electronics and, yeah, you know, does. samples uh, with, with really chuggy, choppy Melvin's yes guitar playing <laughs> yeah no i remember i saw them at the astoria too uh-huh yeah uh i can't remember how long ago that was but seeing it up close and he had like this whole desk of like a chaos pad and a sampler and, yeah you know he was just screaming down a microphone manipulating that sound and obviously the guys in the yeah it's very good just playing music in the background over the top and it's just like one big jam session it, was, it sounds like a jam session, but it's not. I know it's it's coordinated <laughs> very well, and it's part of his genius. But yeah, no, it was just like you're right. It's like someone like really pushing the envelope of of the, using those electronics within the rock music genre. It's um, yeah, I, I, it's true that we, you know I think there was a moment where things kind of came together a little bit, and there was there was some of this. There was, and, and but then it was really yeah the 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 kind of new metal kind of killed it really because you know it just uh it just all sounded like the music that was being played at when at, at the end of a movie <laughs> yes of an action movie <laughs> yeah well, I you think know what it, i mean yeah i think because once any kind of like um money or um industry get involved in a subgenre, then mm. the money that goes into it pushes up that that production value in order for them yeah. to sell it because that's what gets lost it's like whenever a band releases say their first album mm. and it's like it's that raw uncut you know they've just got into a studio they've put all their money together they produce this yeah. like you know a, an amazing record and then like mm. say second album if it's successful you you get their production value goes up but then that in that raw intensity doesn't go with them that's right because it's kind yeah. of it's that that element is relaxed it's not as though you're fighting for food anymore well you know well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. I totally, I, I would agree with that. <clears throat> and also, people, um, people just have a tendency to kind of um, sort of fit the shell that someone puts out for them. You know, like expand into that. Like this is well, now we're at this level, so we have to be like this. Um, and you know, uh, we kind of we were lucky with the first album that the production was done by uh, a. 
guy, a guy that was part of the band, plus um, the, the kind of producer. It was a shared credit, really, but the producer was this guy, uh, Jim Abyss, who had just done Bjork, I think, and Massive Attack. Okay. And, uh, and you know, he had a, just a really great way of getting sounds down. So the first album, uh, that album, the, the production on it is pretty, you know, we had also we had like a month to do it. Yeah. which for us was just unheard of in a real <laughs> studio. <clears throat> so um, we kind of started with a decent level um, and we never needed to go any further than that in terms of like polishing and cleaning the sound. Yeah. Um, it was just, it started kind of where we needed it to be and we didn't really need to like take, keep taking it, it to these kind of cleaner or polished levels. So I'm happy with, I'm happy in a way because we didn't we started as we meant to go on really <laughs> yeah no that's cool i mean uh, with with my band we recorded everything ourselves mm-hmm. it was always like kind of like a back like back of the head dream to actually get someone else to do it for us but the problem we mm-hmm. had was uh, the the producers around at the time were very influential with the sound so yeah. like you go into a studio and they'd have their own amps already set up ready for you to record oh, through. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, they'd have yeah, their nah. sound, they'd have their drum sounds, they'd have their guitar sounds. Nah. So you end up being churned out and sounding, you know, the same as the last band that just went in. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> unacceptable. You know, and that's it's just, it's not production as well. I mean, <clears throat> one of the things that you're supposed to do as a band is essentially get your own sound first. You know, yeah. and what, if you, if you're arriving with that, it's all right to do that if you're like a kind of pop producer and you're creating the whole music for someone just to come in and sing on. Mm-hmm. And the guy, you know, you sit with the guy and you write lyrics and, you know, that's a whole different game. And when those things get mixed up, it, it gets really bad. I, I'll give you a kind of example of how something like what you just described. A couple of years ago, we were making a record with my friend Scott Harding, who was in, he's a, a Scotty Hard. He's done like a lot of hip hop. He did some really old stuff. He did work with Wu-Tang Clan and, and, uh, and Jungle Brothers and Mike Ladd and tons of people. Cool. Um, and he came to work with us in, in, in London and, uh, we went into the studio and it was, uh, this studio had only been like, like all the booths that were there so that you can play separately and everyone can play at the same time. were just being used as storage rooms. And the people who worked there had never used them for people to play together. They were just recording things like record the drums, then, you know, time, you know, time stretch and quantize and put it all perfect and record the guitars, exactly the same thing. But put, everything was done in layers, everything really mechanical. And the first thing we did, we said, we need to use those booths, you mm-hmm. know, because we have to play together. We don't have to play as a band. And they were going, what do you mean? They just didn't get it. And we said, look, okay, how long have you been here? <laughs> you <know? laughs> And they they say, oh, a few years. They say, okay, well, can we just move all this stuff out of these rooms so that we can, you know, have a bass amp in one and and the drums in another and and we can play at the same time. And and they were like, it was for them, it was like a learning experience to have all these old farts come in and show them how to use a recording (laughs) studio. And um, and, uh, it it was really, really interesting, you know, to, to see how these guys, and they wanted to make everything perfect. They wanted to... You know, their, their thing was like, oh, just sing it quickly. And then um, and then we can pitch, we can change it. And I was like, no, we're not doing that. We're going to, you know, if there's a thing to fix, we'll drop in and I'll sing it the right way. And, and they found that, you know, they thought that they were really scared that it was going to take ages. 
And I, you know, I said, no, you probably just have to do it like twice or three times. You know, it's only the same length it takes to listen to the song three yeah. times. That's, you know, 15 minutes to do it that way. And then you won't have that pitch shifted, uh, you know, sound that even if you don't know it's happened, subconsciously you can hear that yes. people have been tweaking it. Yes, I, I, and, I, I hear that in a lot of modern music because mm. obviously spending a lot of time in the studio and I was like, I learned studio recording in college and mm-hmm. I, it was the old school way. it was like reel to reel so yeah it was recording everyone at the same time and if you wanted to edit it you had to take a razor blade to the tape oh yeah 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 <laughs> and then it's a whole different game that is a whole different game and obviously now you like with my laptop right now i'm multi-tracking this conversation yeah you know? yeah it's so true yeah it, it's you, it, it's moved on you can so multi-track much. on your phone yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's madness it is it's, yeah it's mad and like a lot of like people a lot like in studios are either self-taught or they're just put through like these like uh was it just like schools for mm-hmm. recording that just tell you just do it separately have the person come in make the beat do the baseline yeah, yeah get the person to record mm. it. If it's not perfect, you can stretch it. Look how you can edit it. You can plop it in right in yeah. the, right on the um, on the metronome. You yeah. can yeah. <laughs> bang Well, on. that's what these guys were trying to do. Yeah. And my my friend Scott, who's a hip-hop producer, and you'd, you know, but he's been doing this since the 80s, basically. Uh, and he was just like, he had to get kind of annoyed with them and go, no, stop, don't touch it. Don't quantize it. Don't play with it. Let, you know, let's, uh, and he, he just knew what he was doing he knew how to get good takes um he knew how to uh you know how to mix things correctly how to drop in and out and for certain you know for a line or a, you know go back and redo like a, a drum part and yeah. you know you don't have to just time stretch everything and it, the effect is palpably different you can feel it yeah. even if you don't know music you can hear a record that's been played normally or naturally and and sculpted naturally and you can hear one that's just been <clears throat> essentially fed into an algorithm that throws out perfection and perfection is like something that should be kind of you know it doesn't even you don't have to even seek out perfection but if that's the aesthetic that you choose you should be able to it's a choice it shouldn't be a norm to aspire to a kind of mechanical perfection in art it doesn't nobody does that in painting i mean okay you could argue that Warhol and the kind of whole, you know, modern art is, is, you know, the whole the factory and all this was the idea of, you know, mass production. But even that, you know, they, they were screen prints and each one was slightly different. And there's, you know, like, I, I don't I don't know about the idea of, you know, perfection in yeah. art. You know, I'm not I just unless it's the aesthetic, unless that's the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. You know. In which case, you can some things like Kraftwerk, for example, it just sounds perfect because that's the aesthetic they're going for. It's like a digital, yeah. you know, you know. I'm just giving really primary examples here, but that's a perfect example of where the aesthetic is a kind of digital perfection, a kind of plastic modern world that they're trying to paint. Yeah, yeah, where everything. But not everything, you know, not not every pop song. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like hearing the perfection imperfections, even in in some of like the uh, you know older music. You know, you, yeah. you go back, you listen to I don't know some of the blues stuff, and you can hear in the studio. You know, they've like slightly yeah. turned, and you hear them knock the mic, or you hear their yeah. you know, breathing. Whereas, breathing. Yeah. you know, you listen to um, like Appetite for Destruction, 
you know, by Guns mm-hmm. and Roses, for, just for instance, and that that is a, a well-oiled machine of a band that they've 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 played yeah. um, those songs over and over, and they got into that studio and like knocked out that album together, and yeah. you can hear it. It's like it's got this energy about it where sure it, it was a live, it was a raw, you know, recording. And that they that they worked on, yeah, you exactly. Know. And then you hear like more recent albums, mm. and like you say, it's it's kind of it's got that that perfection edge to it. Like the drums, yeah. they're 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 clear. There's no there's no bum hits. There's no yeah. there's no like you know accidental mic hits or whatever. Mm. You know, there's no obviously no bum notes in the guitar because <laughs> most guitarists uh, won't allow that. But you know, it, it, it's like having that. Um, now where everyone expects a certain level of production as well yeah whereas if you mm. release a demo of you recording in a garage whereas that mm. used to get like attention from a lot of people you know mm-hmm. you think oh that sounds you know it's like sort of punk rock real like raw yeah again. and then you know but every, someone hears a demo and they think oh was that recorded in a in a bathtub or something yeah yeah because they're, they're so used to hearing and like and even if the voice is slightly out they'll notice mm. it because of everything's auto-tuned. Yeah. So everything's, but also, you know. I don't, I don't think it's worse though. I don't think, I don't, when I notice it, I don't think, oh, that's worse. I, I, you know, I really just, I think you can hear people who can sing, you can hear people who can play. Um, and the, the, I just don't like the aesthetic. I like to hear, hear people playing together. I mean, I'm not against it. You, you can tweak things a little bit. If you think, if you've made a real dirty fluff, you know, and the, the snare drums really clacked off at some weird timing. Okay, move one or two things, but you don't have to like quantize the whole drum take like a drum machine. Mm. You can just shift one thing. If it's one or two things, fine, do what you need to do. But I, I have a policy to not time stretch, not uh, pitch shift my vocals. It's just don't do it. Yeah. Just do another take. And if you can't do it, that means there's a problem. It means you shouldn't be trying to sing that yeah. um, as your main line or something. You know, I think, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit. Uh, I, I I like I like dirty music. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. like I like dirty music. I like clean music. I don't know. I just never imagined so like someone like Michael Gyra from the Swans would would be time stretching his shit or like pitch shifting his voice. You know, like pitch correcting his voice. Yeah, uh, or or someone like you know I don't know. I'm not I don't know who to give an example. But does Nick Cave like pitch correct his voice? Oh. I just think that would be weird. Yeah, I think, especially with the old school, because you know it's it's that discipline because you you learned how to sing, you may have had lessons or you, yeah, you know, know. learned from someone, so that's important. Probably learn from just doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly, and it's having that. You know, you spent time developing it, and now all you can do, you could probably speak into something and make it sound like a melody. You know, yeah. and it, it kind of it, it throws away that hard work that you've put into it and that work ethic. Mm. Whereas yeah. like, these days you can sort of produce, mass produce, cookie cutter, same, you know, the same sort of thing over Absolutely. and over again. All the, all the sounds that are generated, so many bands where drums sounds the same, guitar sounds the same. Having your own actual sound, having, it just seems to be, I don't know, we could go on about hours but, you know <laughs> it's like people have a good drone sound like you know i think the melvins is a really um you know reliable sound they know that, that it, it evolves but it always sounds natural and it always sounds 
extremely well played because they play really well, you know. Someone like Black Cobra, for example, it's a great two-piece band. Mm. They just play really well. You see them live, and they're just ripping it. They just—that's how they play, yeah. you know. Yeah. Tweak Bird, that's a great band. It's just mm. really heavy and really grimy sounds when they play live. It's wonderful, mm. and when and their recordings are just. They just have the same overproduction, I think, is a mistake. I think that we can kind of sum up everything in that phrase. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, here we are. It's ready to be reissued. Um, it's 20 years after it came out, as uh-huh. we've already, reca- already capped up That's on. That's it. How does, yeah. that, how does that make you feel, 20 old, years? Old, dying. Old, dying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, obviously, like I say, it's, you know, I well there was we had to you know talk about it a fair amount before we did it we there's the nostalgia element that is you know it's, i would normally avoid but we just thought it would be good to celebrate that moment yeah. the fact that we're still doing it after all this time is kind of a miracle there are not that many bands who are still doing it after no. all that time no that's true that's true um and uh and I don't know. I mean, what do you want to know about it? Well, to me, it's wonderful. How do I feel about it? It's really wonderful because people have been receptive to it for 20 years. Yeah. It's actually, you know, okay, what can I say about it? I've met people who, you know, journalists who report on, you know, from war zones and from, um, you know, who specialize in civil unrest and, and uh, clashes with the police and who, who said, you know, I listened to your music and it inspired me. And I've met people who, you know, just other people obviously in bands who said that was really important to me. And, you know, yeah. so it's just a kind of, it, for us, it was just a lucky confluence of, of events. You know, we couldn't have planned it. To, we couldn't have you, I don't think you can plan any of these things you can just enter into things with a with a with a good intention and a good heart and yeah. try and do the best that you can yeah and I think often when when you really do that you know you can't help but do something decent and and people respond to it I remember there was, people responded to that music so well um from the beginning, from before we made that record, people were really, really receptive. And um, uh, I just always felt really lucky, you know, that, that that they were, because literally whenever we played and we came back to a place, the next time we played there, it would be double the amount of people. So you can imagine how exponential that is. The first time you played to 30. Yeah. Next time you play to 60, 120 people. But pretty soon, if you visit the same places, you're playing to thousands of people. Yeah. And uh, because we toured a lot and we just, it was all word of mouth. By the time we put that record out, we were playing like, you know, big venues and and, and people were really, really warm to it. And very, they've been very loyal to it ever since. I think if the metal, the fact that there's some heavy metal <laughs> in it, you know, uh, means... That people are very loyal to it because I think it's one of the most loyal uh, groups of, uh, of fans or kind of subgenres of music. Is metal fans are just really devoted to things, and and they'll even give you, you know, they'll give you a break if you've made a shitty album. They'll just they won't just turn away. They'll you know not that I'm saying that's what they've done for us, but I'm just saying that uh, 
Um, you know, if you don't dislike Dio because he made some terrible records, you don't dislike Ozzy, you don't like dislike Black Sabbath. You just those people are going to be with you forever if you've made something that's been important to them. Yeah. So, I'm you know, I'm just really really excited that. A, it means so much to so many people after all this time, and B, we can continue doing it. And so it's just a celebration of that, really. Um, do you feel uh, the messages you put on the album are still relevant as much as they were back then today? Or should I rephrase that? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I no, I totally understand. No, okay. yeah. It, well, it's mixed feelings because I would like it not to be so relevant, and I would like it not to have had a kind of you know, prediction type quality mm. to it. Uh, but that was what we felt was coming. You know, the security state, the, you know, the nanny state, the, the, uh, surveillance state, um, the erosion of people's rights, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the freedoms of citizens, the erosion, uh, you know, using fear and panic to uh to basically pull things out of your hands pull uh your your uh your voice and your your uh ability to express yourself mm. um out of your control and those things yeah states that you know racism is addressed on that record and it talks about you know um institutionalized racism and and uh and uh socially transmitted idea you know ideas of bigotry and stuff it talks about uh lots of stuff it talks about guns it talks about like drugs in the community it talks about all this stuff and i would like you know it's it's i would prefer that those things wasn't weren't still current i would like things to just you know hit a nice comfortable peak where you know class divides weren't so extreme in, yeah. in most countries yeah. you know uh, um I, that i'd be happier if a lot of what was being talked about on that record was not the case but unfortunately it is it, yeah. it still is and it probably still will be for some time because yeah. a lot of it's just to do with human nature but uh, obviously that's our objective to try and evolve psychologically and spiritually beyond some of these situations mm. so, I don't know um, cool. I don't know if I'm happy about it but yeah I think a lot of it's still the case No, I was, I was listening to it yesterday and um I was like, yeah, this is kind of, this is still relevant now. <laughs> it's one of those moments where I was, I was like, I was paying attention like to the lyrics because only I could get lost in the music. And I thought, uh -huh. as I was speaking to you today, I was like, I'll, I'll give it a full list. I should have a look. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I appreciate the fact that you did. But yeah, no, I just say that was just one of the, like, cause I had most of the like notes that I've got now ready made for this, mm -hmm. but that was one, one particular question. I was like, Let's see. <laughs> yeah, you know, some of the things have changed their forms, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a whole part in Age of Panic about the idea of, being, you know, surveillance and, and, and uh, you know, data storage, storing data on uh, individuals and mm -hmm. machines, you know, scanning your emails, uh, which I know happens because it's actually happened to me. And email communication between myself and my best friend have been stopped by machines. Mm. They, they, which, which have just said your mail could not be sent because due to the content yeah and we just couldn't believe it it happened to me and my best friend and uh and it, he he his first reaction was excuse me 
who the fuck are you? Like, who are you? Who's reading my mail? Yeah. And it's a machine that, that you know, picks out keywords and uh, starts recording, starts like compiling, you know, uh, there are albums that are picking up what you search for, mm. say to your friends, you know. So essentially, it's going to be, get, it's already almost at a kind of uh, minority report stage, but you're not using psychic people to, to, to see what people are going to do. You're just using an algorithm to predict what may be done yeah. by a certain individual. So some of these things, which were kind of hinted at in a kind of sci-fi way, some of the stuff that we that was imagined in on that record was, you know, I just, we felt it was kind of inevitable. So we were not really... We just thought it, we could see it coming in a way. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's not unu- It's I don't find it that unusual that we just we were able to tap into the kind of not even the zeitgeist because the zeitgeist is the current feeling, but the the future. You know what? Where this could be going. Yeah. And so I think you take a little bit of drugs and then you stop taking drugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you you know if you just keep taking you know psychedelic drugs that's a bad thing but if you take a little bit and you have a little vision and you you use your imagination you may kind of actually be able to see where things are going just by being sensitive enough to 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 pick up on it you know and i think we're not you know a lot of people predicted a lot of these the situations that we're facing now so i, I don't think it's uh, it was just extrapolation yeah we're not like soothsayers <laughs> Are there any future plans for Sense? Are you touring? Do you have plans for a new album or anything like that? You can. Talk We're about? working on new songs, so I mean that's as much. Of, what happens is we constantly, you know, scratch away and just uh, you know build up our our you know we work on songs as often as we can. Um, everybody works on little demos and and gets little bits together individually which we then play to each other. And if people like them, then they will jam around that idea. Yeah. Um, we, we used to do a different system where we would just go and sit in rehearsal studios for, you know, a month on end and just like, like bang out songs. And it was like drawing blood, jamming. You would jam all day, basically. Mm-hmm. And you'd pull out, you know, the few bits that you liked out of that day. Yeah. And, uh, which I, you know, that's a way of doing it. But if we've discovered that if each person like records some ideas already, it plays them to others. The others can also give that some thought and think, oh, what this, I could do something with this. And then when we do get together, we're basically working on that idea. Yeah. So that we do that constantly, you know. So there's no like we're always working on the next album, you know. That's cool. That's cool. Um. So, but touring, well, we're just get, talking to some new people about um maybe touring in europe a little more um and uh probably touring a little bit more in the new year i don't see us you know it's too late this year to do any serious touring we've just we've done very few gigs this year considering it was the 20th anniversary but the plan is i think to to start doing uh, just to start doing some more next year cool yeah cool and i have another band that uh takes up some of my time in uh in France called Fiend and that's a very different kettle of fish it's like a trippy like proggy doom psychedelic metal okay yeah that's a whole different thing cool because I, yeah. I was I was going to mention um, I saw Lodestar wow <laughs> yeah okay I saw you guys well you're uh, you know, there's not that many people no I know I, I saw you guys support Tool at the Astoria 
Okay. It was, yeah, um, so that's where a lot of people saw us. Yeah, I, I, it was a long time. I just remember, like, I, I saw the name pop up on a bio of yours, mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I know that name, and I'm pretty sure I've got a CD of yours as well. Yeah, well, we made one record. Yeah. It was a little bit hastily put together, that band. But it, it's, it was interesting. You know, there's some interesting stuff on that record. Uh, it's interesting anecdotally because we, for me, I knew I wanted to do something which was like a just more experimenting with just, you know, guitars and, and singing melodic vocals. Mm. So that was the kind of start of it. I went, I did, after that, I did this other thing which we you know. We played about four gigs. It was just for fun with my friends, and it was called The Operators. And then I did another band very, uh, quite briefly with a pair of brothers, the Stone brothers, Paul and Justin Stone. And that was called uh, Entronaut. But it's not, there's a band called Entronaut now, which is going to pick that up, but it's not the same band. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, we played a few shows, but it was, again, it was like we weren't really pushing it. But it was really good. And now finally, I've kind of really, I'm comfortable now in this band with uh, in France called Fiend. Cool. So I really do have like a separate kind of uh, thing that I'm involved in that, that's quite stable. And, you know, we, we're on our second album now. Okay, cool. It's, and uh, Yeah, have you got a, like a website to go to for people to go you to? You can hear the whole album on Bandcamp, but you or there's a vinyl of the second album. You can buy the f- first album's on CD, the second album's on vinyl, but you get the CD inside the vinyl oh, okay. <laughs> and the download. So oh, it's cool. like just one thing that you can buy and it has every format. Cool. I, I like my uh, vinyl, so <laughs> I'll have to Yeah, man. It's, it's there. Well, you know, I love it's, it. On Bandcamp, you have to type it in like F-F-I-I-E-E-N-N-D-D. It's just like like echoey kind of. Okay. Because I'm sure the word fiend was already taken by some Hungarian rapper or something. Cool. I'll check that out. So fiend with like double letters, double yeah. everything's doubled up on Bandcamp. And you can hear the whole record there. Cool. But we've uh, we haven't played outside of France yet with Fiend, but uh, it's sounding really good, so I'm happy with that. Cool. I I will go and check them out after this. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Give it a listen because I'm always after new music and stuff. So I don't know what kind of music you're into. So I'm into loads of no. stuff. I'm kind of like mainly along the rock genre. But I, being a DJ, I was like very much into my jungle and drum and bass. Um, okay and uh like just general sort of electronic music at this okay. point i mean my my, yeah. my radio show like i said it crosses over between rock and electronic music um yeah this is and it's this is not so much like that but no, it's, it's I, cool <laughs> I, I, I like my sort of doomy stuff as well i like bands like neurosis and okay. all that kind of like uh, there's stuff. a little bit of that in there cool. a little bit cool uh, not 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 you know it's not really it's hard to it's yeah there's a couple of bits that could be you know Okay. slightly like that but it's a bit more kind of um kind of trippy there's a kind of psychedelic little thing going on sometimes and weird mathsy passages okay i don't know i don't know I it can't sounds really interesting put- at least so but um like i say, I, I listen to i listen to a lot of stuff so it's um yeah well but give any, it a go and anyone listening as well can go listen to it too so. <laughs> yeah it's fiend it's fiend uh i think it's fiend official on uh you can find Fiend on uh, on Facebook as well. Okay. Sensors on Facebook and and uh, I think Sensors on like I don't know if Sensor is on Bandcamp. I'm not really good at. I'm really bad at you know 
promoting my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. They can go to censor.co.uk. You can definitely go to censor.co.uk. You can go to the website. Yeah. yeah and it'll, it'll all be up there. So, um, exactly. I usually stick that in the show notes and stuff. So that's fine. But that's cool. Cool. Really? Thanks oh, for doing this. And, um, yeah. Um, so stacked up 20 is out on the 22nd of November for anyone wanting to buy it. Um, it'll be on CD, vinyl and download. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. All formats. All formats. Excellent. So <laughs> go find it, go order it, do whatever you have to do. It's uh sensor.co.uk. Cool. So, um, Hathan, thank you very much again. It's a pleasure. This. And no problem. Um, yeah, take it easy and have a good day. Yeah, no problem. You too. Good luck. Bye. Okay. At the end of this week's podcast, thank you for subscribing, listening. If you enjoy it, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or even Mixcloud. If you go to mixcloud.com forward slash DJ Force X, uh, you get to hear all my radio shows up on there. And I'm also uploading my podcast. So if you just want to stream it, there are apps available for the uh, iPhone and Android. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Go to djforcex.com. Check out my other stuff. If you dig it, let me know. If you hate it, let me know. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, just uh, sorry to rush this one. It's just that I'm trying to get this uh, system set up and running because I've got other interviews coming up and it's currently uh, not set up to do anything like that. So, uh, yeah. So, thank you. Goodbye. Good luck. I'll be back same time, same place next week. So, until then... This is DJ Force X, out.